0: So we just want to welcome everyone and all the friends and visitors and family of the lovely babies. Thank you for coming here and supporting them. It's lovely to see you. And uh, we welcome everybody joining us online. So baby dedication. Now I asked the parents for some pictures of when the babies were new. So Fee, let's have these pictures. Ah, look. Ah, oh, there's nothing quite like a newborn baby. When they're small and squishy, and look at little Oliver and Olivia there. Ah, oh, they, um, you know, they're born premature as twins, and they were separated for a little bit, weren't they? And then they came back together. Ah, oh, that's lovely. And there's Josiah. I saw a photo of him recently where he now fills that whole Moses basket. And uh, little Chloe with her designer clothes is always lovely. So, but haven't they grown? Even from then, so let's see how they've grown. Look, here they are now. Just go back and forwards for me a little bit, Fee. Can you see how tiny and big, tiny, big, how much they've grown already in just a few months and i'm sure you parents you started to see their little personalities emerge they already have their preferences for one thing or another and time goes so quickly i'd like to encourage you to enjoy every moment because it changes so fast and this week i saw a poem and this poem was written to year six parents Now, obviously, for year six parents, the children are about to go up into comprehensive school. This is a big step, and this was a lovely poem. So, parents today, I'd like you to savor this, and particularly anyone whose child is about to go up into comprehensive. Here it goes. Walk your child to school one last time this week, even if they don't want you to. Laugh about the sticks they used to collect or the paintings they so carefully carried home. Reminisce about their sports days and how funny they were in their nativity. Tell them how proud you are of them and how excited you are to see them grow. Remember how little their hand was on the first day of reception. Hold that hand again as you walk with them one last time. That's not intended to make parents cry. (laughs) But I was thinking the other day, Julian and I were waiting for something, and I could see some parents coming out of school with their children holding hands. And I thought, I don't know if I hold my children's hands anymore now they're grown up and it's a it's a special thing so parents treasure every moment so today we've dedicated two little girls and two little boys and what is dedication Adams covered it really it's a practice found in the Bible where parents give their child into the Lord's care we recognize that children are a gift from God and we like give them back into his care if you remember the occasion of Hannah uh, Samuel's mother who went to the temple and gave Samuel into God's service. And even Joseph and Mary in Luke 2, we have that time where they took Jesus up into Jerusalem to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. And so parents today, you are acknowledging the role that God has in your life and giving your baby into his care. And then one day it'll be time for that little one to make their own choice to follow Jesus. A little bit like holding their hand going into reception, but by year six, they might wanna wriggle out of your hand and have their own independence. And there's a time when a child comes in their own understanding to give their life to Jesus for themselves. So today you've dedicated your little ones. We're gonna introduce them a little bit more now. So we have these five-month-old twins born in February. Weren't they absolutely beautiful? Now, I love this photo here because they look so cheeky. Now, being a twin myself, I know what adventures lie ahead for your family and what it is to be a twin. And I was 40 minutes older than my brother, and Olivia, well done, is two minutes older than Oliver. And, uh, you know, Olivia is gonna find those two minutes very important sometimes (laughs) to have the upper hand. And then just three and a half months old, we got little Josiah, uh, who was just loving life up here tonight, this morning, and then our youngest just almost seven weeks is little Chloe. Oh, is that lovely that she made it up here because she's still so tiny. And we're going to look a little bit at the meanings of their names. Now, in Bible times, people were given a name that often um, showed everyone where they came from or who they belonged to or what their destiny was. And sometimes God changed somebody's name. Do you remember Sarai married to Abraham? He became Abraham. She became Sarah. She went From being like a domestic mother to Sarah meant the mother of a nation, and that was shown by the change in her name. Or, of course, we know Simon became Peter, and he went from being a reed to a rock. And so, often in Bible times, names had a special meaning. And when you parents are spending weeks and months as the baby's growing trying to decide what to call your baby, we're going to have a little look at their names this morning. And so the first, we've got our eldest of everybody, Olivia Margaret and Olive, um, or Olivia comes from Olive, the olive tree, which is a symbol of peace. And Margaret, that's a beautiful name and it means pearl in English and then closely behind, two minutes younger, is uh, Oliver Theodore. And um, Oliver, obviously, again, is the symbol of peace from the olive tree. And Theodore means gift of God. And, and these children are named after their grandparents and great-grandmother. Isn't that beautiful? So then little Josiah. Now, Josiah, I'm not going to do all his names today because there was a big reveal of the names yesterday and I'd already written my talk. So uh, Josiah means God supports and heals. It also means God saves, like God comes in to rescue. Jesuitophemy is Jesus is enough for me and David means beloved, what special names. And lastly, Chloe Grace. Chloe means young, tender shoot or new life, blooming. And Grace talks about the amazing grace of God, which is his undeserved favor, his mercy, that when we come to him, he just welcomes us and welcomes us home. Now, it's funny how thankfully, not just funny, but thankfully, how these little babies' names work together for a talk this morning, all about new things. And I'm glad, parents, that you picked these names, especially to make it easier for me today, that they flow together actually quite nicely. So let's look at how these names like blend together and what we can learn from it. So we're gonna start with Chloe, and Chloe means tender shoot or new growth. And it's like those first plants that come in the spring. And you know, for us here um, in in Wales, it's a long winter, isn't it? I always think November the 5th, bonfire night, that's it really. I'm like, block off my diary. It's going to be gray. It's going to be wet. We've got Christmas in the middle and I'm just waiting for like St. David's Day. And around then there's a glimmer of hope and there's little shoots start poking up, just little tender shoots. Nobody disturb those shoots because they show a sign of hope, a sign of life, that the winter is finally over and that the spring is coming and that's what this name means this name chloe is a sign of hope a sign of joy a sign of like a little tender shoot breaking through the hardened winter earth and i pray guys that chloe will bring great joy into your lives she's going to be a joy giver in your life like a little tender shoot and i think you're going to love seeing the world through her eyes and it's going to be really special for you And we also can be a joy bringer into the lives around us. Isn't it easy in our culture to moan about everything, right? Oh, we've had no summer this year. Oh, there's just been no summer. Oh, oh, it's way too hot. It's way too hot. We can't decide. It's easy to moan about everything. But do you know, we can be a joy bringer into the lives around us we can bring that joy something good to say something honoring something kind something gracious let's bring joy into other people's lives and chloe is mentioned in the bible and she is mentioned by name in paul's letter to the church in corinth and she was very likely well known by the early believers the fact that she's just referred to as chloe not uh you know daughter of, wife of, sister of, but just Chloe. And uh, she was uh, mentioned in in the letter to the Corinthians. And what had happened is after Jesus came back uh, from the dead and he met with all uh, the believers, many people saw him. After he went back to heaven, there was persecution and all the Christians got scattered. And as they got scattered throughout Judea and Samaria and the surrounding nations, they spread the good news of Jesus all over. And suddenly this amazing news, about Jesus spread, and in Acts 8:4 it says the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. And this good news reached all the way to Greece, to the town of Corinth, and that's where Chloe heard the good news. And she and her household were part of this brand new movement of Jesus followers there in the Greek city of Corinth. And she was part of this amazing new time of new churches springing up, just like new shoots. And up until this time, the good news of Jesus had just been kept to the Jewish nation, but now it was joyously spreading all the way to the Gentiles as well, about a new way of life that Jesus brought, a change of life, a brand new start, healing of our mind and our body and our, and our hearts, and a joyous way to live. Now, I remember as a small child, not particularly liking going back to school after the school holidays. Is anyone with me there? <coughs> Thanks, Russo. Sorry, I'm just going to have a drink. It's not only hot, but I'm so thirsty. Thank you. That's better. Okay. Small child at school. Don't like going back after the holidays. Much rather be at home. But one thing that made up for it, I really used to like this, the new books. Did anyone have that? You probably don't use books in school anymore, but you'll be given a new exercise book for every class. And I'd love to go in, and, and in history, you get one, and in English, you get one, in geography, you get one, and just opening that new page. Oh, I used to love that. Do you remember? Anyone put your hand up if this is the same for you? Oh yes, I could don't be shy. I can see you. And then the little margin, and you'd have to write the date in the margin. Oh, I used to love that. Blank sheet, love like new page. I used to love all that. A new start. Don't we need sometimes a new start? Don't we wish we could go back and change the patterns that we're stuck in? Uh, change the ruts or the ways that we fell out with somebody and now we can't get that back or the way we live in our life, we'd like that to change. And Jesus comes powerfully into our lives when we ask him to give us a brand new start that we have a clean page, a clean sheet. And not only when we venture with Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to live my life with you, I want that new start, I want to go a new way, is that when we start living that life with Jesus, we can have that clean sheet, like every morning, his mercies are new, every morning, his grace is with us, every day it's a brand new start the bible puts it like this in 2 corinthians 5 17 if anyone is in christ that means following jesus with our life he is a new creation the old has gone the new has come isn't that brilliant So, moving on from these, like, little tender shoots, we're going to go to another tender shoot, the little olive branch. And Olivia and Oliver, their names come from the olive branch. Now, in ancient Mediterranean cultures, the olive trees were, like, on every hillside. And um, it was a very common um, sight to see these olive trees. And some of them can be really, really ancient, like thousands of years old. And the Greeks and Romans used the olive branch as a symbol of peace and of prosperity. And as Adam mentioned earlier in that little prophecy, the Olympic games, the Greek Olympic games, winners would be crowned with an olive wreath. Now in the Bible, we famously see the olive branch in Noah's story. And you remember Noah, by faith, he built an ark there was no there was no water there was no flood and by faith he built this ark to god's design knowing that something was coming and then the floods came and at that time god was rebooting the world because the world had become evil it become a dangerous place to live and and there was one family who followed God and that was Noah and his family. And so God had a plan to restart everything all over again. And Noah and the animals and his family, they all went into the ark. And as you know, there was 40 days and 40 nights of rain. And when you look through the scriptures, you can see they were probably in the ark a whole year once the rain stopped and had to wait for the floods to go down. And they were in there. Can you imagine just being stuck in there with your relatives for a whole year in a wooden box? I know it would just be amazing, wouldn't it? Every one of you is nodding like, oh, I can't wait. I mean, that would just be brilliant. But then what happens is Noah is seeing the floodwaters start to recede, but he wants to know, is there land anywhere? And the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat, and he sent out a raven, but it didn't come back. And then he sent out a dove, but it came straight back because there was nowhere to land. Then Genesis 8 tells us this, and again Noah sent out the dove from the ark, and when the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return to him because it had found somewhere to rest. And that's why this is a symbol of peace and hope and new life, the sign of a new beginning, of a brand new start, very similar to the Chloe tender shoot. And in Genesis 8:17, God says to them, come out, Noah, you and your family, come out. Bring all the animals out, bring them out so they can multiply on the earth and, the, and be fruitful and increase in number on it. And can you see the reboot takes them right back to Genesis uh, in the garden where Adam and Eve were sent out to be fruitful and multiply. And here comes the same message again to Noah and his family. And so the olive branch is a sign of peace. And maybe these lovely twins will be peacemakers in their time. Certainly, they will learn the ways of peace. Being a, t- a twin, I remember it well. They will have lots of practice from day one as they grow up of making peace between each other. And then maybe they'll walk that peace and that nature of peace with their family and friends. And let them be an inspiration to us that we can live a life of joy, bringing joy to others, but also to be one of peace and peace in our hearts. Jesus said in Matthew 5:9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And it is something for us to pursue. And what's amazing is when we begin to live our life with Jesus... The power of Jesus lives within us, and his Holy Spirit helps us to live in the fruit of the Spirit with love, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, that we're not trying to muster it up and be a better person, but Jesus' Spirit lives through us. So we live out these things by the power of the Spirit. It's an amazing thing. So when we give our life to Jesus, his power comes into us to live an overcoming life. Now, many years later, after Noah, God called a people to himself to be his special people, the Hebrew nation through Abraham. Do you remember Abraham? And then Joseph, Moses, then Joshua. And this was followed in the nation by a series of judges. Do you remember Deborah, Samson? And then Israel asked for a king, and God gave them Saul. And after Saul came David, who was the greatest king of them all, who loved the Lord with all his heart. And then his son Solomon was the wisest and one of the wealthiest men that people came from all over to hear his wisdom and see the beautiful things that he had built. Now, in the nation that was special to God, sadly after this, in this time of history, so just special little history buff over there. Sadly, after this, what happened is the nation split apart with civil war. And there was Judah and Israel. They had a king each. And there's just a terrible dark time in the nation. And out of 20 kings, 15 of these kings were evil. And they outdid one another In doing evil. And so as a king handed over to his son or was assassinated or somebody took him out and handed to the next one, it often says the new king did more evil than his father before him. And in this time, there were only five kings who were good. And the others were just pursuing evil in a way that was so destructive to the people they were supposed to be caring And by King Manasseh, the Bible says the innocent blood that that king shed would fill Jerusalem end to end. So this was a dark time. And eventually, Jerusalem becomes overrun by King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, and the city destroyed, and Judah are taken into captivity because these kings ruled so badly. But before this happened, and in the midst of the chaos, a young child became king. And this was King Josiah. Now his father, King Amon, is assassinated and the people appoint Josiah to rule at the age of eight. That's very young. And then the story in Two Kings catches up with him when he's a little older and he reigns for 31 years. And Josiah's rule was a standout moment for Judah's history. And this is what happened. Now Josiah's grandfather was the evil King Manasseh. He did so much evil that it broke God's heart. But his great grandfather was Hezekiah, who was also a standout king who followed God. And we see Josiah walking the same path as Hezekiah and his ancestor. King David. In 2 Kings 22, it says this about Josiah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father, David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. And so finally, the people have a ruler who's going to rule them for good. And by the age of 26, we see Josiah has already been busy rebuilding the temple for worship. And he's on a mission throughout the land to rid it of all evil practices and idol worship. And they even had fires that they would throw babies in as a sacrifice. And he came and he he, he just brought an end to all these evil practices that were going on. In fact, this was a period of like fire and dust. And you can see at this age of 26, he's like just going through the land. And he's just like, there's just fire ripping through the land where every altar, every idol, everything that is against God, he just, he pulverizes it. He smashes it. He burns it. He says he takes the idols and and grinds them to powder and throws the powder in the Kidron Valley. And we see this like ministry of fire throughout the land where every trace is burnt away of idols and all the corruption that was happening. And what had happened is that the people had been led astray into like primitive practices, worshipping the sun and the moon and and the stars and the weather. And they were just worshipping all these different things. Whereas the creator God who had brought them out of slavery in Egypt and through the Red Sea, the creator God, the mastermind of the universe, they had forgotten him and they were worshipping wood and stone and the weather. And yet the one who is above all those things, who created it all, they forgot And in the process of the rebuild of the temple, somebody found a book and they ran to Josiah with this book. And the book was the covenant with God. And it's about all the special promises of being God's special people, how they're chosen and loved. And if they keep God's ways, they will be so blessed. And yet if they pursue evil as they had, how their community would fall into ruin and into the hands of the enemy, which unfortunately later on it did. And on hearing the book read aloud, how does this young 26-year-old Josiah respond? He says, when he heard this book, he tore his clothes. He wept aloud. He couldn't believe that this book had been lost, the book of promises. And, and he, later God says to him, because you had a humble and open heart, because of the tears you shed— I will protect you and you'll never see the destruction of Jerusalem in your lifetime. Let's look at the verse here. It says in 2 Kings, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord, I also have heard you. And God says, destruction is coming because of the way the kings have lived. But you, Josiah, you will not see it. That will not happen to you. Do not worry in your heart. God is going to protect you in your lifetime. So what does Josiah do with this book? He takes it to all the people. He gathers all the most important. The Bible says from the most important to the least important. Everybody, nobody was left out. And he gathered the leaders and the uh, priests and the people, and he gathered them all together together. And he stood there and he pledges his heart to God in front of the people. And this is like a, a personal moment, but as a king, it's making a stand. is having courage and saying to the people who've turned astray, there is a new way. We've all been pursuing this and it's going to lead to destruction. But now we need to turn around and pursue God because as we pursue him, we will know his blessing in our lives. And as he read this, the people heard the words too. And in 2 Kings, he says this, the king turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. And what happened is the people followed his lead. What an inspiring leader. And they all pledged to follow God. And that's a little like this baby dedication today parents, you are dedicating your baby into God's care. You're saying, hey kids, this way is not going to be any good for you. I'm just giving you to God that one day you might choose to pursue Jesus and all his blessings. That one day they will have the opportunity, like knowing what's in the book, to have that covenant with God for themselves, their own dedication to follow Jesus. And Josiah called once again for the Passover to be celebrated just like his grandfather Hezekiah. And that was when they were remembering that God is the God of all who brought them out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. And in this story, we see Josiah stand out like a beacon in a dark world. In these years of history, where only five kings are good, here is Josiah from the age of eight, and at 26, like a fire through the land. He was like a beacon in a dark world, brave and courageous to make a stand, and yet with a tender, open heart. Do you see that, how he responded tenderly to God? And can we be like a Josiah too, that we stand up for what is right and wrong, that we have courage in our lives, that we care for one another, that, the, that we make sure in our environment, in our family, in our workplace, that the right thing is done, like Josiah. Maybe just don't take a fire into work. That might not be good. But also, to have the courage to have a tender heart and say, God, I want you in my life. I want you in my life to a greater degree. I want to know you personally, just like Josiah. Now, later on, the Egyptians and the Syrians, they combine forces, and they come to attack. And in a heroic battle, King Josiah dies, taken out by Pharaoh Necho at the age of 39. And this kind of fulfills the prophecy that he won't see the destruction to come. And a great struggle follows between Pharaoh and Josiah's sons. And the sons choose to follow the evil ways of their grandfather Manasseh and Jerusalem becomes destroyed, and the people are carried off into Babylon. But as prophesied, Josiah was spared seeing it. Now, Josiah brought a fresh start to everybody, but only some chose to take it up. Even his own sons retreated to the evil of their grandfather. And this story shows that each of us has a choice. We can't rely on the faith, of our father or our mother our friend or our local church or our grandfather or our great-grandfather. But there comes a time to meet with Jesus for ourselves. There comes a time to make our own choice. Now, maybe our little year six is going up to comp. That's a time where they're less protected in primary school and they're among peers, and they make a decision to make a stand. What about when you go off to university? When you go off to university... Suddenly, you you find out how much of your faith is yours, how much of your faith is your parents or your church or those around you, or how much is your faith yourself. And it's a great opportunity to discover your own personal relationship with the wonderful Jesus who brings his power into our lives to bring change. And before Jesus went to the cross, He went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he celebrated the Passover that we see Hezekiah and Josiah doing. And he celebrated this Passover with his disciples. And then they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And during the Garden of Gethsemane, we know that that is where Jesus prayed about what was coming up. And the Garden of Gethsemane is on the western slope of the Mount of Olives facing Jerusalem. And it was also, there was a a little path, like Jesus liked to go to his friends at Bethany. And there's a little path out the back that would lead you down to Bethany. And I'm sure the disciples and Jesus went there many times. And in that garden, surrounded by olive branches, somewhere among those ancient trees, Jesus prays to his heavenly father as he prepares to go to the cross. And that struggle that he had there saying, is there another way? Is there another way, father, but not my will, but yours? And when Jesus wrestled in the garden, he wrestled because of his amazing love for us. Because of his love for us, he knew a rescue was needed And somebody had to do that. And it could only be someone who had never sinned in their life before. And this was Jesus, he was the only one. And yet in the garden, he agonized with his father. Is there another way? Can this cup be taken from me? But not your will, but mine. In Luke 22, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And you see this incredible, tough love of Jesus? where he's looking, is there there another way to save the people? Is there another way that they could be reconciled to you, Father? But if there's not, I will go through this. It wasn't just the beating and the crucifixion, but the separation from his Father as Jesus died in our place for the sins that we have committed. And he did that so we could be reconciled to God and live in Jesus' peace and love every day. That is the power of the cross. Christianity isn't just a religion with a a set of rules or trying to be better or being a nice person because none of us are a very nice person, are we? We can't do it through trying. It's just through the power of Jesus and coming to him and saying, Lord, I think I've been pursuing a darker way, but I want to turn around now and say, Jesus, come into my life, change my life, that I can walk in your blessing all my days. And that's the hope for these little children today who've been dedicated. Now, in the original text, the name Gethsemane is made up of a Hebrew and Aramaic word, two words together, called Gat Shamanai, which literally means olive press. And so in that garden, there was an olive press where they would press the olives and make beautiful olive oil. And olive oil is still produced in that garden today. That's amazing, isn't it? All these years later. Now, I was wondering, because these trees can live for many years, I was wondering, could those trees be like a silent witness to what happened? Because olive trees can be thousands of years old. Is there a tree still there where Jesus prayed by that tree? Is there a silent witness to what he went through? But sadly, we find from Josephus Flavius, who was a first century historian, he documented that when Rome came in and besieged Jerusalem, they cut down all the trees, including the ones of the Garden of Gethsemane. So the oldest trees in that garden now date back to 12 AD. So there's no silent witness there. And yet it was amazing to discover That across the state of Israel, there are many ancient olive trees believed to be over 3,000 years old. So some of those, I'm sure, Jesus walked past and maybe plucked an olive from. And what I loved to learn was this. When an olive tree is cut down, fresh new shoots grow from the stump from the original roots. So you cut an olive tree down, but it just there's just no turning back for this olive tree. It just will not give up the ghost. It just continues to bring new life. And from that cut down root, new shoots grow, and the olive tree comes back. Just like we're talking about in spring, after a hard winter, the new shoots come back again. And Jesus offers us this fresh start to wipe the slate clean to hear his words with a soft and open heart like Josiah. Maybe to start again like the dove finding the olive branch, like the moment Noah came out of the ark and felt that fresh mountain air of Mount Ararat on his face, like the tender new shoots that grow from the roots of an olive tree and the tender shoots of spring, a sign of fertility and new life. So today we've looked at some wonderful lessons from our babies, Olivia, Oliver, Chloe, and Josiah. They all have their own blank page ahead. The page has been turned. There's a blank sheet to be written. Their own history yet to happen. But today they've been dedicated into God's loving arms with the hope that one day they too will have adventures with him and give their lives to Jesus in their own choice. And dedication today, parents, is a great start. You're in the, going in the right direction. And I just encourage you, love them, bring them into church community, worship over them, pray with them, read their children's Bible with them, and help them that they may go in the right way, that they'll live a life of blessing. Remember how little their hand was on the first day of reception. Hold that hand again, as you walk with them all the way through their life. So parents, take their hand, guide them, love them, show them the way to go. But Jesus' invitation is for all of us, not just for babies, but for parents and every adult in, in this room and on livestream. And I would encourage you, if you've never done this before, to put your hand in Jesus' hand. He loves you, he wants to walk with you in a life where he can bless you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these dear little babies today, Olivia, Oliver, Josiah, and Chloe. We thank you for them and the whole promise of a new future ahead for them. We ask for your blessing, Lord, on their parents as they wrestle with lack of sleep and all the things that lie ahead in parenting. We ask that you bless them, that the joy will outweigh the work. And Lord, we thank you that you went all the way to the cross for us, and that when you were in that garden and there was no other way, you took that way for us because you love us so much. I thank you that you welcome every person. And Lord Jesus, we put our lives in your hands. Say, may we live with your love and your joy and your peace. Forgive us for the things we've done wrong. Help us in this brand new journey as we turn to you. And I just pronounce your blessing, Lord, on every person here, on all our visitors, everyone here. They may know the blessing of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, thanks, everyone.